All right. Welcome back, everybody, uh, to the Hit Factor podcast. Uh, tonight we have a special guest, um, Andreas. Uh, I'm going to let you say your last name because I'm sure I'll, I'll mess it up. Yankopoulos. Yankopoulos? Yeah. Just, okay. It, it's easy. Yeah. Once you, once you hear it, yeah. And uh, myself, Jason, and Jared Fox. Um, we're going to just talk about uh, or let Andreas talk about himself a little bit and uh, give, him, give everybody a rundown of where he is and who he is and where he's at. So I'm just going to jump right on to, into it. Andreas, um, tell us about yourself. Okay, a little, for a little shooting bio, I started, I've been plinking and messing around with, with guns pretty much all my life. And a friend brought me out to an IDPA match around 2000. And I shot that for a couple of years. I'm, I'm here in Atlanta, Georgia. We've, we've got a lot of shooting going on. So shot IDPA for a couple of years, did a couple of classes and I got stalled out. Like this was before there was YouTube, before there were a lot of training resources. And I just hung up competition for a couple of years and still kept up on shooting. And then uh, a couple of years passed and a, another friend dragged me out to a steel challenge match. This was about 2011. And I was doing pretty good at that. And a lot of the steel challenge shooters also shot USPSA. So I, I jumped in and started shooting some USPSA. And it was kind of funny that I classified uh, or got an A class right out of the box at the, the first, uh, first classifier match that I shot because I could stand and shoot pretty good from doing steel challenge. And then I just got absolutely demolished in field courses. I had like B and C class guys who were uh, running all over me. And uh, I saw that Ben was teaching a class and in, in, uh, I talked to him for a little bit and I got him back to, to Atlanta and uh, took that class around 2014. And that was pretty eye opening. And then, uh, yeah, just shot a bunch with him, found some other local guys to train with and slowly, uh, slowly got better and uh, eventually made uh, GM in, in 2017. And, Still, still working, still trying to try to improve. Um, we've got a lot, really strong crowd around here. So um, if you're not getting better, you're falling behind. And uh, I was doing, doing reasonably well in local matches and um, had people start asking about doing, uh, doing classes. So about a year and a half, two years ago, I started teaching and that's been, that's been really rewarding. Um, a lot of that came from just analyzing video of uh, like looking at how I'm doing or looking how I'm shooting at stages and then looking at the guys who are beating me shooting stages and the guys that I'm beating shooting stages and trying to really analyze um, how are they beating me and how am I beating some of the other guys that are down like a class or so and kind of found it was the same thing. Like I'm losing the guys like, Tyler Turner and Sal, Lu Sal Luna for the same reasons that I'm beating guys who are in a class. So put together a, a curriculum around that. And, um, that seems to be going well. I've been getting some good, uh, getting some good feedback from students and they're, they're making progress. Um, I had, I had a really good compliment recently where a student came up to me and said that he heard my voice in his head while shooting a stage that had a lot of movement. He heard me yelling at him like, run faster, run faster. So, so that was pretty cool. Um, 
So yeah, that, that's uh, that's a kind of a quick uh, quick background of what I'm doing. Yeah. So Jason, I had the opportunity to train with Andreas a little bit up at the uh, summit, and also spend quite a bit of time with him. And, and I'd say probably, you know, everybody kind of has a different approach to how they think, and and you clearly have a very like engineer type mindset. Like, like oh, yeah. look at stuff, look at stuff very like from a logical standpoint of okay, so this should make this make ha- make this happen, type of thing, which was was kind of uh, an interesting approach. And you're obviously pretty good at the sport; you've been around for a little while, but you uh, you really only shoot kind of in your geographical area, correct? Yeah, mostly mostly here around Atlanta. Um, part of that, I think, is there's a lot of heat that our, our local matches will have Sal Luna and Casey and Tyler Turner. And um, I mean, we've got some pretty heavy hitters um, and the, the river bend match up until uh, the river bend match North of Atlanta up until COVID hit was um, they would run eight or nine stages. So it was almost like shooting a sectional each, uh, each, each month. But um, wow. yeah, we'll see. I mean, just, how, how things have changed around. It's probably time for me to get around and shoot some more uh, larger matches. Kind of also once um, this with COVID and not shooting as many matches, like my, uh, my match shooting abilities definitely degraded. Like that's, I kind of learned pretty hard that that's a very perishable skill in the last month, just uh, <laughs> shooting some matches and it's just not going very well. So I also want to get that sorted out before I, uh, drive somewhere like man, i can i can get my ass handed to me uh locally so i don't want to <laughs> drive eight hours the weekend to, to learn something yeah drive eight hours and learn something i already know it's like yeah let's uh let's close the gap between what i'm doing in practice and what i'm doing at matches and then uh then it'll be more fun to drive and hang out with hang out with my friends that uh shoot some other matches around the southeast or midwest so what does a typical week of training look like for you so, I mean, I'm in my basement right now, which um, is kind of a combination of a, a dry fire area and reloading area and workout area. So usually, um, this is all, I, uh, we, we, moved, we moved into this house around 2015 and kind of the first thing I did was get some rubber flooring laid down and get some drywall hung up and just started, uh, ordered some kettlebells and got a pull-up bar and a couple other things installed. So usually after work, I'll, uh, I'll come down here for an hour-ish and just do a combination of uh, a dry fire and then some uh, like kettlebells, pull-ups, other body weight stuff. And then um, usually I'll get to the range once or twice a week. It's like pretty much one day, I'll, one day on a weekend, I'll either get to the range to train or uh, shoot a match. And then uh, when daylight savings is, is open and I can uh, – get to the range after work, I'll, I'll do that. Like as long as there's enough, the range where I shoot is uh, about a 40 minute drive from here. So I want to be able to drive there after work and then, uh, shoot two, three hours and be able to be able to, uh, um, get home. So there's only like an hour or two of sun of sunlight after work. Yeah. doesn't happen as much. <laughs> it's a challenge. It is. So- yeah. Yeah. It is nice that like in Atlanta that it never really, gets that cold so we can shoot outdoors pretty much year round. Like there'll be a couple of weeks here and there where it's like, yeah, it's below freezing and 
this isn't going to be any fun. But other than that, it's uh, you can go out, you can go out and shoot. Now, a, a normal uh, out, you say on an average standpoint, when you uh, go outside to train, uh, or when you go live fire, what's uh, what kind of round counts do you typically shoot? That's the question everybody always asks. Yeah, so five to maybe five hundred to seven hundred fifty rounds. I'll shoot. Wow. And I'll, uh, I mean, again, I'm doing it once a week or maybe twice a week. So want to make it count. And I'm flush on primers for the moment. We'll see how we'll see how long that uh, that round count lasts. But um, usually I'll go out and I'll um, I kind of keep my half my range bag stays in the car. I've kind of two uh, steel targets and a bunch of uh, paper targets. So I'll put out the, the two steel. There's some eight inch plates, and I'll usually put up maybe two, three, maybe four uh, paper targets. I try not to move those around too much while I'm out there. I want to. I usually run maybe two or three drills, maybe one thing, one thing static that I'm working on. So um, lately, I've been working on uh, the uh, the crisscross a bunch, kind of just working on the control between the the bodies and the heads, just going fast on the bodies and then dialing it back real quick on the heads and trying different orders on that. And then I'll I'll work on some stuff with movement. Um, been working on like last range trip was working on um, some position entry drills. So just being able to come in shooting on some uh, close open targets and um, not, not stringing the shots horizontally. Like I've been in matches, I've been throwing some deltas like off to the left or right as I'm, as I'm coming off the last target. So trying yeah. to understand what's going on there so I can work on it and drive fire. A yes. lot of it's when I'm going to the range, I'm trying to, do some feedback between live fire and dry fire. That's so like, oh, I'm working on some stuff in dry fire. And it's like, yeah, let's go out there and put some live ammo in the gun and, and see what happens. Like, see if there's been any improvement. So five, five to 750 rounds, that's, a, that's a quite a bit for a, a single range session. So w- when you're going out and doing that, roughly how many drills are you shooting? Uh, I'd say maybe three. Three, three maybe, maybe four if it's a longer day. Mm-hmm. The, the 750, that would be more on a weekend when I have some more time. Like the, the, the week trips are usually a lot, are, are usually closer to five. It could also be that I'm shooting for a while and uh, like some, a friend will show up at the range. You know, like, oh, I haven't seen so-and-so for a while. It's uh, together, so that'll, that'll bump the round count up. <laughs> and then uh, what are your... Uh, but you you mentioned mixing your workouts in with your dry fire. What's a what's a typical dry fire session look like for you? Like, do you just do a set number of drills until you feel done on them? Do you set a timer? I, I would say I'm looking to get some results. Like, there's something I want to see when I when I'm dry firing. Like, I'm I'm trying to make something happen with the gun. So, if I'm working on transitions, I want to. Um, one way I try to stress myself a little bit or make the practice a little bit more exciting or kind of get the juice flowing a little bit is I'll want to shoot a drill a couple times in a row without making a big mistake. So there, there'll be something I'm focusing on. Like maybe I want to stop dead in the A zone when I'm working transitions or 
maybe I want to stick the reload so that I'm not, I'm not totally not, I'm not missing the, the gun or I'm not missing the gun or I'm not totally bobbling it. And okay. I want to do this five times in a row without a major screw up. So I, I want, I want that to happen. And sometimes it could be a while depending on what I'm working on. So, yeah. um, Boomer just coughed there, so hopefully by the time this episode goes out, he hasn't died of the coronavirus. I yeah, I might, like, get it. I might get it here. I actually feel like I'm getting sick. Uh, I think it's more of a sinus cold thing, or a, but I, I do feel, I don't, I feel like I'm getting sick. <laughs> I, I poisoned your food at the barbecue. Uh, <laughs> on, on, let's, let's, since, you, since we've interrupted Andreas, let's, um, somebody asked me Saturday morning at the match if, if, I, ha- if I was sick too. Because they had some issues that morning, so I was like, "No, I, I ate the same thing, and I wasn't, I didn't feel bad." So <laughs> it's not Jared's fault. He goes, "I said, well, Jared, you're not shooting against Jared, so he wouldn't have poisoned you." And then I go, "Hold on a second, yeah, he would have. He, he would have poisoned you just to poison you." So, <laughs> who was it? Who was it? Lane. Lane just got a weak stomach. Yeah. So. All right, so I got a couple questions for you, Andreas. Okay. You uh, you say you started out in IDPA. That's how I got started in in sports shooting. Let's call it sports shooting. Uh, do you shoot any more IDPA? I haven't in a long time, but I think I, I signed up for a match on Saturday. I'm sorry, this coming Sunday. So um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, as I said, I, I I just got to get out and shoot matches and kind of get my match shooting ability back up and that's what popped up. Like there's an IDPA match. So a couple of friends, I'm going to go shoot the match with them. Cool. And, and I got to refresh the rules and then just treat it like a hit factor two USPSA match where it's like, man, yeah. each, each Charlie, each the, the Charlie's really, really hurt. So I think that'll be good. I think that'll be a good uh, practice for me. Cause that's one of the things I'm doing. One of the things uh, issues I'm struggling with in matches is outrunning my sights. It kind of, mm-hmm move fast and then I'm not, not dialing it back enough to, to make the, the, the tough shots always. Mm-hmm. Du- so. Dusting off the uh, old fishing vest and going to go wreck some poor IDPA kids. Yeah. Well, there's no kids. There's no kids out there. <laughs> there's no kids. I'll probably, I'll probably I mean, be the young person there. Yeah. Average age <laughs> is probably like 70. So. <laughs> but it, it'll, it'll, it should be good. I'm, I'm, I'm squatted with a couple buddies and cool. we'll be done by one o'clock. So. Now, did you say you shoot production predominantly? Or have you mentioned what division you shot? You're shooting? Oh, so production. I, okay. I started in production. That's still the main thing. Um, I started fiddling around with carry optics earlier this year. Um, a, a big part of that was having students show up with dot guns. I'm just, there are just more and more dot guns. Um, I'm seeing that in law enforcement as well. Just more and more guys uh, practicing with dots. So I figured I had to get at least competent with a dot. So that's, that got me. Um, also, I had been shooting CZs for the longest time. And I was looking at what it would cost. This was before the weight limit was removed. And I was looking at what it would cost to get a, a dot mounted on a, a Shadow 2. So you had to get the slide cut. And there was, a lot, there was a bunch of work needed. And I realized I could get a Glock 34 for that price. So I ended up picking up the Glock and liking it a lot. So mostly I shoot those these days. But um, yeah, it's, it's been interesting. I've been I've been dry firing a lot with the dot, um, 
both of mine are at Trigicon right now getting fixed. So I'm, I'm dotless at the moment, but uh, yeah, hopefully that'll, that'll, that'll solve itself soon. I, I got really, really like a dot for dry fire. Yeah. So I got to ask a question about that. Um, I shot a Glock all last year in carry optics and I shoot the Delta point pro and I tried the SRO. I didn't like it. And it's not a matter of which one's better, but or which one's whatever. But, um, you had, you've had two of them, two of the SROs break on a Glock. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One, so, one made it to about 12,000 rounds and the other one died. It was not even 2000 rounds and it, it, and both, it was the same thing. They just wouldn't hold a zero anymore. Okay. Yeah, because I've heard that a lot about that one. But I've also, the theory from everybody is um, the plastic guns are easier on the dots. Um, so I was just curious, but you broke two of them. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Of course, you could, who knows? Yeah. It, it, each, each, each one has their own set of issues. The Delta Point, the contact comes loose on it because it's a, kind of a poor design, uh, which okay. they've changed. They've changed the design, kind of. I've got a new dot sitting in there. I haven't mounted it yet, but. Uh, the SROs, I, from what I've heard, they lose their their zero, so which is not a battery issue or you know, but it's just a it doesn't hold zero anymore, which is just as bad. <laughs> is, is the yeah, dot the, not coming the, on at all? So <laughs> yeah, the one the one that didn't make it to two thousand rounds, it was starting to flicker. Okay, it, it was doing both. Like the dot would disappear, and when it would show back up, it was in the wrong spot. Okay, and I mean it was pretty bad. It was like. 18 inches, like a 20 yards, it would be off by 18, 18 inches, almost two, two feet. So wow. bad news. Yeah. yeah that's not yeah, good for uh, shooting points. No, no, no. I'm, I'm convinced that uh, like sliding on at optics are not a solved problem yet. Or not a what? So we'll, well, hopefully we'll get there. Maybe, maybe next. Sliding on at optics are not a solved problem yet. Yeah. People still have some work to do to sort that out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think we're uh, beta testing the slide mounted optics currently. We're we're a couple of revisions away from them being reliable. Yep. Yep. So we had a listener question this week and they want to they they were asking about uh translating your practice performance into your math performance. So I figured we would get the uh panel's thoughts on that subject that's a good question so we'll, so we'll go ahead and uh, we'll start with jason and then i'll go and then uh, we'll, we'll pick up our guest andres okay um so the question was how to translate your match performance your excuse me your practice performance to your match so mm -hmm. i'm taking that that this person can set up something and do really well in practice but it kind of falls apart on them in the match so um, I would say challenge yourself in, in practice. You know, you're, you're, the, the, the boilerplate rubber stamp, I think, response for, for everyone is put pressure on yourself in practice. Um, it's hard for me to do that. I know it's practice. Um, I'm relaxed. I don't get pressure. I don't, I don't, I don't feel anxiety in practice. Um, but I got confidence. So, um, cause I know I'm a good shooter cause I practice and I know I can make any, you know, I can make the shot. So I think instead of putting the pressure, it's just taking the pressure off yourself in the match. Um, you got to put in the work. So that's the other thing I would say, this person needs to make sure they're be honest with themselves, make sure they're actually putting in the work, 
because I think it was Jared said this to me a long time ago. I don't know if it was me that was the prop, the, the person that was saying this, or if I was telling him a story about someone else, but um, someone got mad at their match performance. And I think Jared said, well, really when you get mad at your match performance, it's kind of, sometimes it's, it can be because of you got unrealistic expectations, which means you're not putting in the practice and you try to shoot like Ben or Christian. And then you're mad because you didn't. Well, are you putting in that, that, and that's a very easy way to say it, but, so be honest with yourself. Make sure you're putting in the practice. Know your skill level. And then the goal for match day is to just execute at your level. So if you go out there, take the pressure off yourself. Nobody's going to punch you in the face on the way home. Your wife's probably not going to divorce you uh, for, for not winning. So take the pressure off yourself and just set the goal. Before. And I do self-talk when I go to a match. Hey, I just tell myself, just – just see the dot, shoot good points, you know, don't, don't try to go crazy. You know that you're fast and don't worry about the feelings. And so I, I've got a lot of stuff I just talk to myself about. So again, just, I would say realize in your practice that you can do it. And then when you go to the match, just realize that you can do it and try to take the pressure off. It's probably not going to work that well at first, but the more you do it, the more you shoot matches and the more you, show yourself that you can do it that way, it, it starts building. So I kind of rambled on there and hit like a f few different things in no particular order, but that's basically what I'd say. It's okay. Our listeners are probably just like, shut up, Boomer. Probably. <laughs> so so my, my thought on this is uh, something that I've often thought about is that sometimes people seem to take their their best of their practice and then expect to straight translate that into their match. Well, if I shoot something 10 times in a row, I can't discard the nine that were terrible and take the one that I hung on paper and be like, okay, I can do this. I mean, there's absolutely times when proving to yourself you can do something is important, but you need to, you need to have realist view too of what can I do cold and controlled? And then you should be looking, you should be looking at that and comparing it into your into your match performance, and and you want those pretty close. I think it, it varies probably a little bit from person to person. Uh, for me personally, if I can do say I can do a drill at four seconds, and that exact same that exact same thing comes up in a match, then for me personally, I would expect to shoot that and say say with a four second drill. A match day performance where it's on the line, it counts, and I get one try. You know, if I can be within 10%, I would consider that shooting comparable. Like, that would be closing the gap on your match and your practice performance. But on the same thing, if I can do something in four seconds, is a is a controlled run for me in practice. But if I hang it all out and I shoot it in 3.5 seconds, well, if I shoot it in 4.1 seconds on match day, I have a very wrong view to, to think that the the gap is super wide when re, when I'm not taking a realist view on what it is. So it's definitely just like anything else in the sport. You know, you have to you you, you have to control your own expectations and, and realize where you actually are. You can't just discard all the bad and only keep the good in your training and then try to compare that to your to your match performance. Yes, great point. Yeah, the not uh, the, the being being honest about what you can actually do on demand is a big one, and not and not uh, and, and putting a lot of stock in those bad runs. 
realizing like, yeah, you, you did shoot those and that'll, that'll happen at a match. If you try, if you try to shoot like that, I think, um, looking at myself recently, kind of what I'm going to try to work, what I'm going to try working on. Cause this is, this is something I'm looking, I'm, I haven't shot. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm behind in my matches and pretty rusty. And I think, uh, some of that, some of that has caught up with me with uh, not being totally honest about what I can do. And we talk a lot in USPSA about cheating and not over aiming um, about uh, again, on close targets. You just need to see uh, like a, the slide in the A zone, for instance. And I think maybe being more honest about what you really need to see to make hits is, is important. And to have the discipline to actually wait for that to wait, wait until you see that. That's something I kind of noticed this last match that I shot that the, uh, um, first stage I kind of discarded, I had a double feed. So that one, that one went to hell. And then the, uh, the stage I shot after that, I just wasn't in retrospect, I just wasn't aiming enough. And even a buddy of mine afterwards, when I was asking him about the stage, he said, yeah, you're like, even when you were trying to go for this, when you, when you, when you missed some of the later pieces of steel, like I didn't see your gun pause for a moment. It's like, it just snapped in and you pulled the trigger. It's like, yeah, you, you, you need to, you need, you, there needs to be a little pause there while the sights settle and you verify and pull the trigger straight back. And he said, he just didn't see that in me. And yeah, in retrospect, I didn't see it either when I was, when I was shooting, I just got ahead of myself. And then the, the rest of the match, I just was a little bit more patient with my aiming and uh, it fell into place after that. I did uh, was making some tight shots on partials and still shooting close targets aggressively, but um, making that happen on demand and even when you're set up for the first uh, stage and a little bit jittery, I think is that's tough. I do try to set up something tricky when I first get out to the range. Like I don't I don't like to warm up. I'll, I'll set up a drill with a tight partial or a far piece of steel and. I pretend I'm at a match like, okay, you need to, you need to shoot this and not totally bomb. I think also that matches, I look back at matches I've done well on and they've been ones where I haven't made any big mistakes that if you're, if your only mistake is maybe you have a, a, a makeup shot here and there, that's, that's fine. But it's a really, it's a big mistakes like, uh, um, like too many mics or, going to slide lock at a position and then needing to do a standing reload. Like that's, that's what kills you. And that you're not going to, you're not going to drop far because you took an extra 10th of a second to confirm a shot, but it's trying to say that 10th of a second and that translates to, and it's going to, that's going to hurt you pretty bad. Maybe also being honest there with um, what you need, what you need to do while you're shooting is important. So. Yep. Couple ideas. Your, your your last part there brought some a thought to me that would be interesting to talk about. When um, so I'll ask everyone on the panel the question here: When you see a new guy, a typical uh, like a typical new guy, what is what is a common mistake that that you see that is like, hey, you need to work on this? I'll ask each one of you that. So Jason, how about yourself? Like a, a newer shooter, what's a in USPSA? What's a common mistake you see? I'm trying to decide if it's 
If you have more than one, say more than oh, one. Okay. Um, poor trigger control. Worried about double double tapping, and not good enough um, sight acquisition on the target. Are their sights? Meaning on that last one, they just stare at Brown. Are they just they just aim their body in a general direction of Brown, and then do all those other things I said? They double tap it, and then they have a poor trigger control. <laughs> so, so what what you said there? If you think about it, though, in a lot of ways, those those are all interrelated. Yeah. Um, like a, a poor trigger control is you see it obviously because what what's happening is they're they're looking at the target and then they're they might be aiming a whole bunch and then slamming the trigger twice and like they have no control of the gun generally their their weak hand has no like grip on the gun right. so they push it all over the place and if you're if you're gripping the the better your grip is the the more or the less uh poor trigger control is going to affect that gun essentially. But uh, the one that I would agree with you on there though, is newer shooters. Typically they try to like double tap everything. Like they aim once and then try to slam the trigger. And you generally can see that in a match or in practice or something. Cause they'll shoot like, they'll shoot every single shot at like the exact same speed. And generally those people don't have a lot of problems hitting steel because they're aiming once and shooting the steel. But then they go to paper, they'll have Alpha Charlie or Alpha Mike or Alpha Delta on every one of them. How about yourself, Andreas? You guys, uh, you mentioned um, not having a good support hand grip. That's, that's a huge one. Another one I see a lot is not having a good stance and not moving aggressively between positions that um, I kind of see newer shooters that they'll be standing to shoot targets and the, the targets are in the open. They're just standing in a, in a corner of the state of the state of the shooting. And they'll be standing like, like almost like a flamingo, like one foot's barely on the ground <laughs> and the other leg is just locked <laughs> solid. And uh, you can see that the guns, like even shooting minor that the gun is knocking them around as they're shooting because they're just, they're so upright and like one foot's not even on the ground. And then once they're done shooting those targets and they need to move somewhere else, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're walking, but they're not, they're not moving aggressively. Sometimes that, I notice that's that. Just, that's just free time. That's just free time. Sure. It's like, let me say, say something real quick. Sometimes I've noticed that not aggressive from position to position is because they don't have a stage plan they don't have the stage plan uh, memorized or they're unsure. That's uncertainty a lot of times. And you see this kind of weird look, they'll start almost kind of looking around yeah. like, well, where am I supposed to go? You can, you can see the confusion on them. And sometimes it's not, sometimes they just don't know they need to move as fast as possible. But I'd say at least on, I'd say 70% of the time on new shooters, it's a, it's more of an uncertainty thing. I can see that. See, I, I would personally say, well, while you're correct, most of them don't move very aggressively. I think that is so low on the priority list for them that it's like not even worth mentioning, because until you're until you're hitting your shots, it doesn't yeah. matter how it doesn't matter how fast you run the stage. You have three or four mics on him, like the stage sure, is sure. garbage. And and then also there is more to moving aggressively than just purely moving aggressively. I, I always like to describe it as you know doing stuff sooner, leaving an area sooner, shooting sooner when you get somewhere. Like your actual your actual speed between the two points is is very is is a very small part of the equation. 
And and for most of those guys, they take off running really hard, and then then they get there and they they try to stop. They overrun the position. They have to come back if they're trying to move aggressively. And then they then they're still slamming two shots and shooting an alpha mic on the target. Yeah, and there's there there are a bunch of, of time wasters that go in uh, go in with that, like not coming in with the gun up and ready to shoot, for instance, yeah. or well, shooting, I, their, shooting their ways in the positions. But as you said, you gotta you gotta be able to mostly shoot a stage without penalties before that stuff really matters. Well, it's like uh, kind of an interesting one. A buddy of mine texted me uh, earlier today asking about a match he'd recently shot where he's like, man, where's the, where's, he's like, do you think the guy who had the fastest time, was he faster because he shoots way faster than everybody else or moves way faster? It's like, no, he did a little bit in everything. He moves a little bit faster. He shoots a little bit faster. He's just a little bit quicker in everything. And that, and over the course of a match, that was, you know, 15, 20 seconds. Can I say something to that? So, out of everything, I totally agree with that. But I would also say in the, in the list of importance of, of faster, the two things that are probably the least important is actually p- pulling the trigger for splits. The splits are probably least important. And then actually most people can move from point A to point B fairly equally. I mean, yeah, you got some guys that are just blazing fast. Um, I mean, Andreas, I've seen you do, I've seen a video that you were doing at PSTG and it looked like you're a pretty quick guy. And, um, so you're probably, you'd probably get there before me, but, um, but I'm actually fairly fast for as big as I am, but, um, it, it, it's, it's, there's so much more to the speed, overall speed that you see on the match that people, I think just naturally think, and I, when I say people, this is probably because I thought, I think I thought this earlier on. The speed of the match, when you looked at someone's time, I'm like, how are they shooting it two seconds faster than me? Well, I kind of just instinctively thought they're pulling the trigger on the splits faster, and then they're moving from they're running from point A to point B faster. And those are probably the two least important out of everything that needs to be done at speed, in my opinion. The transitions are, I think, a big overlooked one they, as well. And then just everything else, like that Jared was saying, is getting in and shooting early. As soon as you're there, as soon as you clear the wall, and then getting out and shooting while you're backing out, even though not necessarily backing up while you're shooting. A lot of guys seem to focus on, I got to be shooting. We talked about this in the last podcast. I got to be shooting while I'm moving. I can back out and shoot here. So I'm going to back out and shoot here. And you end up doing that section and the next, the blending of that set, the next section slower if you would have just maybe took them and then, you know, anyways. But, um, well, you bring up a good one on the shooting split side. I would not say that's always not a difference. If you look it's, at the the very no, listen up. The very best guys is it's not it's not how fast they're shooting that seven yard open paper. It's when you the get twenty a, yard target, the fifteen or the fifteen yard partial or that twenty five target. Like they make up a they make up time there as well. But you we don't right. see that a lot. But overall, I think transitions and just the the overall efficiency of their movement is is huge. Not not the speed, but the efficiency. Yes. And the only thing I was going to say about the splits was is if you're doing a .18 split and a guy's doing .16, that's not something to sweat. If you're doing a .2 split and a guy's doing one point, uh, .16, I wouldn't worry about it. But see, everybody, wants getting, to do them, yeah. everybody wants to do them .15 splits on 25-yard targets. <laughs> so when you, get to, uh, when you get to 20 yards and you're, you're pulling half-second splits and somebody else is pulling 25 splits, then that, that'll start adding up. Yeah. That'll start adding up. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
and that's I think that's something you see in stages that when you look at uh, how the scores pan out, like you'll the stages where there are a lot of far targets and far pieces of steel and a lot of tight partials, you'll see you'll see the scores spread out pretty wide. You'll have a you'll have the stage winner and then it'll drop pretty quickly, yeah. like guys that are down ninety percent, eighty percent versus when you have a stage where it's all hoser stuff and you see everybody start stacking up towards the top because as you there's said no, there's no room for separation on those stages. Yeah. Yeah, it's like pretty much everybody can run like twenty ish splits and it'll be determined by who gets the most alphas and maybe a little bit of foot speed. And there's just not that big a separation. Like as you said that the difference in foot speed between somebody who's fast and somebody who's slow is not is not enormous and and a lot of stages like it's not taking a whole lot of steps so it doesn't doesn't really matter yeah when it's not 30 steps you know well it's also a difference too generally the the real hoser stages you know they'll have really high hit factors and if i have an 11 hit factor on stage and second place guy has a 10 hit factor on stage that's not a big gap but if it's a little more normal spread out stage and he has a five hit factor and i have a six hit factor you know, that's a much bigger gap. Yeah, it's much almost twenty percent. Yeah, yeah, it's it's twenty percent instead of like nine percent. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, have any uh, thing else to add? All right. Well, I oh, think we'll uh, we'll get this wrapped up, uh, Andreas. If uh, people want to find you, uh, where can they find you on Instagram? I think that's probably where you're most active on your shooting stuff. Yeah, I post a lot there. The uh, name on Instagram is ATL underscore Flanor, F-L-A-N-E-U-R. Or if you just look me up by my name, Andreas Yankopoulos, you'll find me. And for classes, I've started posting those. I have a website that I'm putting together at uh, yank, Y-A-N-K dot T-O. And there's a shooting section in there where I'm linking to uh, practice work. Nice. Well, thank but, you for uh, joining thanks. Me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And uh, Jared, it was great meeting you at the uh, PSTG Summit. Every, everybody who did, everybody who wasn't there missed out bigly. And uh, yeah, Jason, hopefully we'll get to shoot together sometime soon. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for coming on, man. Absolutely. Anytime. Enjoyed it. All right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. See you all next time. Uh, stop recording, damn it.